0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 103, Comic Reviews, the week of Wednesday, September 11th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 103, Comic Reviews for Wednesday, September the 11th. I'm Adam Chapman, your host, and uh, welcome to the show. Uh, it's been a little while since we've had a Comic Reviews episode of Comic Shenanigans. Uh, those who followed previous episodes would know that uh, my life has gone through a, uh, a few changes in the last uh, couple months. Uh, I moved uh, in July, and so I was moved from my old place to a new place, which meant uh, a little bit less time to spend reading comics and getting episodes out because just there was a lot of unpacking to do. And also, at the time, my wife was about eight and a half months pregnant. Uh, she had the baby on August the 29th, uh, so little Zachary Owen Chapman was born. Uh, so as you can imagine, I've been quite busy uh, after that. So I think the last Reviews episode I had was, uh, I'm just looking back right now, I think it was episode 101, which was the August 14th episode, sorry, it went up on August 19th. And I think the episode before that, that was about um, Comic Reviews, was July 30th. So I'd already kind of started doing a little bit of a hiatus, but it was a lot shorter. But now it's been, uh, you know, just about a month. It's been a little less than a month. Um, So... You know, I don't know how often I'm going to be able to do reviews episodes. I do, theoretically, I would love to be able to get episodes up on Sundays or Mondays. Uh, for special event episodes, I don't know how often we're going to be able to do those. Although there is a Talking Hero Clicks episode, episode 104, coming up on Wednesday the 18th. Um, and that'll be with myself and Nathan Struck. We recorded it on the, let's see, the 13th of September, which was last Friday. Um, so, I do hope to have more episodes coming up in the future, but obviously my new responsibilities as a father make it a little bit harder to do so. Um, not only that, even if I have time to actually record an episode like I do have today, I didn't have a chance to read a lot of books that came out this week. So, the actual amount of books that uh, I didn't get to talk about, uh, look at are pretty large. And I've missed a lot, a lot of big releases that have been over the last few weeks. There's been issues of Infinity, uh, villains, uh, Forever Evil started. We've had the villains month has been happening as well. So there's been a lot of stuff I've kind of missed out on, and a lot of the comics I just flat out haven't even had the time to read them. Um, So the last few weeks I'm still kind of catching up on stuff that I missed out on. DC made it a little bit easier in some cases because, I mean, you don't. I, I I feel like some of the books. They'll have more connections than maybe we realize to Forever Evil and taking place around Forever Evil number one. Uh, But maybe they're not necessarily as important, but at least they have a little bit more grounding in terms of what they're focusing on. Um, Anyways, I'll I'll just jump right into it. This week I'm looking at uh, Action Comics number 23.2. Which is the Zod issue. Uh, Before I go forward, there is a little bit of some sound effects in the background. uh, My basement doesn't have a door. And uh, my my basement, when I don't have company, is usually going to be the studio that I'm going to be using, theoretically, uh, for reviews episodes. Uh, So there will be a little bit of bleed noise coming from upstairs. uh, But it should be relatively minor in the background. So the first book I'm looking at is Action Comics, as I said, 23.2, which is the Zod issue. Um... Now, I guess this is this is an important issue because we're kind of getting to know what Zod looks like in the uh, the new Fifty Two. I have to admit, I haven't read a lot of where Zod may have shown up in other places because, obviously, with the Hell on Earth stories, etc., there's been a lot more storylines looking at the the past of Krypton. So, I actually can't really say much about like what we've seen in the past already with regards to Zod. Um, that being said, it, it wasn't. It really wasn't my favorite issue. I thought a lot of it was. It, it reminded me at times of the Thanos Rising storyline in terms of you had this this young kid who's a little bit misunderstood, but a little bit messed up, and his family, and I mean, and uh, it, it, obviously it's a little bit a lot more to it than that. There's only a very glancing surface similarity, but it did definitely stick in my mind. Um, so Zod in this world, he's very merciless. He's uh, you know he he's a survivor though. Um, he's all about you know war and destruction. I actually kind of prefer- I was wondering if they would do instead um a version of Zod's history that looked more like the Man of Steel movie that just came out because it would make sense to kind of um hew that close to you know that version of continuity, especially because you know a lot of people watch man of Steel so uh but instead we get something a little bit different here i Greg Pak wrote it. I do not think this is his best work at all. um artwork's by by Ken Lashley. I wasn't that impressed with the artwork either. I just... I found the issue a bit of a chore. I didn't... I thought this could have been a lot more interesting. I don't like this version of Krypton either. Like, there's been a lot of different reinventions of the world of Krypton and the House of and Like, every major facet of the Kryptonian story has been told many, many times, and it's always been told in slightly different ways. And this is probably one of my... the One of the versions I am least interested in. I just found it very boring. Um... Not all that engaging, and I was kind of ready for the issue to be over. Um, uh, there's c- certain elements with the idea that Zod being so survivor was kind of interesting, but then the, the prolonged elements of the the dragon p- thing people and the artwork really being not that good. Um, I was originally going to give it a 6, but the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm thinking you know, it's more of a 4. I'll give it a 4 out of 10. It, it just felt like it didn't need to happen, and that's not good. Um, next up, uh, actually, sorry, I, I said the creative team. Next up is Aquaman twenty three point one, which is the Black Manta issue. Uh, this was really, really good. I was surprised at just how good it was. Um, Black Manta, you know, at the end of, uh, I guess, with the other storyline, or it was he's basically he's in, I guess, Belrev or he's somewhere. He's he's locked up, and Amanda Waller wants him to join the Suicide Squad. And the idea that she kind of puts to him is, you know, what what do you have to live for? Um, if you do end up killing Aquaman, you were a treasure hunter, now you're an Aquaman hunter. If you do manage to kill Aquaman, what are you gonna do then? And um, that's kind of the question she puts to Black Manta. And I like the version of Black Manta that Jeff John has given us in his own uh, in in the Aquaman book because the idea of, you know, he's his he you know, more or less was the reason why Aquaman's dad died and then Aquaman went gunning for him but ended up killing Black Manta's foot excuse me, father, making it a very personal battle that they basically have killed each other's fathers. Uh, Aquaman seems to have let it go in some ways in that he's not hunting for Black Manta, but Black Manta has made Aquaman's death and destruction his number one priority in life because of what happened with their fathers. Uh, Jeff Johns and Tony Bedard plotted this issue. Uh, Tony Bedard wrote it, uh, or at least did the right, the words as it's credited. Uh, Clon St. O'Bain did the Pencils and Inks. I don't know this art- artist, but I think he did it actually fairly uh, standard. Sorry, a fairly exemplary job. I thought it was really good artwork. Um, and Carlos M. Mangual and Taylor Esposito did letters with blonde on colors. Um, this was really strong and interesting because it takes place in and around what happened in Forever Evil 1. And you have Black Manta escape with everyone else. And he gets his personal effects, his armor. And he goes to this big... He goes to Happy Harbor. Uh, and he sees the um, you know the crime syndicate discussing and he sees everything that's going on there and it's basically this idea of you know who is he without you know without Aquaman being alive without with Aquaman being dead he actually gets Aquaman's trident which is pretty big for Black Manta um when Ultraman tries to uh, basically blot out the sun with uh, the moon it creates uh, an atmospheric shift and it creates these uh, massive change to the tides which is a great a smart way of saying, like, a, of an event that happened in a big event book and showing how that, it's, it's portrayed as almost a minor thing in the actual Forever Evil, but here, it's actually quite important because it creates this huge tidal waves. Anyways, Black Manta's father's, um, you know, resting place, is, uh, his skeleton and in his grave is all disrupted and blown away, and uh, Black Manta narrowly survives, and when he finally survives, he kind of comes up to the ground, and he's like, you know, he's thinking about... What more he can be? Where do he direct the hate? And uh, basically, he's he's ready to fight the crime syndicate because of what they did. It's interesting because Black Manta isn't really a villain. He's a treasure hunter. He's a glory hog in that way. Uh, but really his fight is only against soccer man because of this personal journey, um, between the two, because they're responsible for killing each other's fathers. So he's not an out and out villain. It's very much personal, but he's not trying to be this horrible villain like the crime syndicate. So apparently black mantas war against the crime syndicate unfolds in forever evil. I am interested to see how that goes. Uh, this was extremely well written. I thought it was a really, um, tight portrayal of the character. Um, I I would recommend this easily to most people. This is a very strong, enjoyable issue. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Uh, It's exquisite. Great work. From an artist I've never heard of. And um, yeah, this is just great. Uh, Next up is Avengers number 19. Um, So Avengers and New Avengers basically function like elements of the Infinity storyline. As much as the Infinity is the main story, you kind of need to read Avengers to get more of what's going on. this was an extremely well done issue. Uh not a big surprise. Um it continues to be you know, Hickman's Run in Avengers continues to be really something special. I mean, I really liked his Fantastic Four. I do think his Fantastic Four was more intimate. It was more about a smaller cast of characters and although he added a lot of characters as well, it felt always as much as he had very big concepts and he had a lot of uh long ranging plans, it never felt too big. Uh, At times, these Avengers can look very big and very like what? What the hell just happened? Um, It's not a knock against it. It just at times can be difficult to understand what the hell just happened. Um, But it's it's really really good. Um, There's some great stuff with uh, as the gardeners get close, not the gardeners, the builders get closer. There's um, Jackson or Jason of uh, basically Starlight's father tries to sell out the humans, and it doesn't go so well for him. Uh, this is just, ex- just an excellent issue. Lionel Francis Hughes in our work, Jonathan Hickman writing. I love the little title pages that are break up the uh, the issue. I love the Carol Danvers part as she tries to uh, go up against uh, the Builders and their armies uh, when they get um, you know uh, captured, seeing what happens there, seeing the Galactic Council, seeing how they interact as well, which is really interesting stuff. Um, really dug this, and uh, I and you might have heard my cat in the background has decided to parade around the uh, the microphone here. This was just a really good issue. Um, really interested to see what happens next. It definitely leaves the heroes in a very precarious spot as um, they are targeted by the builders because now the builders know where they are because of Jason's uh, stupidity. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. This should be really exciting. Uh, I give it a 9 out of 10, um, it has not been a bad book, it has only been a good entertaining book and I can't wait to see what happens next really, I mean it's it's that good. Uh, next up, sorry, in the background you might also hear some uh, weird sounds of my cat, my other cat deciding it's time to have a crap right near where I'm recording an episode and uh, trying to clean its paws on the litter box. This is more information than you know, but you know, it's, it's that kind of show uh next up so that's three books down we have uh so far we have one four out of ten and two nine out of tens that's pretty good so far next up is avengers arena number 15 um i'm gonna kind of miss this book but at the same time not because uh it, i don't know it's, it's, it's just an odd book uh, i still enjoy it um i just at the same time it is it's a book that's very finite in nature so it's time for it to be over soon um artwork is by kev walker it's written by dennis hopeless Continues to be quite interesting. I like seeing uh, you have more of um, I forget his name now. The the Bloodstone Kid having turned into a demon. You have everyone trying to struggle to figure out how how to stop this. You have the uh, the Fish Woman. I forget her name, but she basically we have a a nice uh, examination of her past, her history, and um, how she wants to basically save uh, this man that she's in love with, and um, it's really really interesting. And something bad really happens to her, and uh, unfortunately she's dead, Uh, or it appears to be that she's dead, and Aiden is really upset about it. I believe it's Aiden. Um, Anachronism, I guess, is his name. Um, Surprisingly emotional, very strong, much better than, again, I'm always surprised by this uh, series. Each and every issue, it's as if I'm hugely surprised that it's entertaining, even though... The issue before was good. So, I mean, this was really good. The artwork by Kev Walker is fantastic. Uh, it's definitely building up to some sort of crescendo. Uh, it probably could have gone on longer. I feel like it's al- it's almost going to feel a little rushed when it gets to the ending. But um, I also don't want it to go on too long either. So this is really good. It's, it's very entertaining. A month in, a month out. Uh, so I was an 8 out of 10. Next up is Batman and Robin 23.2, Court of Owls. Uh, I give it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, one thing I actually want to touch on because I haven't talked about it because I haven't been doing any of these reviews episodes it's really really stupid that DC screwed up and uh, none of the creative teams for any of the books during uh, this Villains Month show up on the covers that's really atrocious and really unfortunate because I mean the creators deserve to have their work recognized and because they screwed up with the uh, 3D covers that didn't end up happening so it's really unfortunate Um, this issue is good it's just not the strongest it's it definitely doesn't feel like a, it feels like a Batman issue as opposed to a Batman or Robin issue uh, in terms of how it's written um, because it's very much a Court of Owls I mean it's right there in the title it's a Court of Owls issue uh, it's written by James the IV to be honest now that I think about it having read the issue it really is a Talon point one issue um, because it's written by James the IV who writes Talon artwork by Jorge Lucas who I haven't seen do artwork in a while uh, it's colored by Dave McCaig. So obviously this, the inks are also by Lucas. Um, it's got a, a dark look to it at times uh, like Luke Ross's artwork. Um, but it wasn't... I don't know. Something about the artwork It wasn't quite strong enough. But it was creepy and it definitely served its purpose. It definitely works as a precursor to, you know, the Talon book, because it's focusing all on the Court of Owls and the history of the Talons and uh, this first Talon that exists that's pretty awful. Um, and also, this is taking place in the wake of forever evil, and you have the Court of Owls kind of responding to this, something's going on, and uh, they got to kind of come against it, and they have to fight against it somehow, and the way they're going to do that is that they might, uh, they're going to, uh, it looks like, unleash the power of this first Talon. Um, which should be interesting. And I also like the idea that no matter what, they they win. Uh, The Court of Owls has a lot of setbacks throughout its history. We get to see a few of them here. But no matter what, they end up winning. And that's the important part of the story to the Court of Owls because eventually they persevere and then they write their own history. So even a loss becomes a win. Um, It's a good issue. I gave it, as I said, 7.5 out of 10. Didn't quite hit in all cylinders, but it was pretty good. Uh, Next up is Flash 23.2, which is the reverse Flash issue. I'm going to give it a 5. I was going to give it 6, but I couldn't quite give it a 4, and I ended up settling on a 5. Um, I guess if in true Reverse Flash fashion, I should do the review in Reverse, but I won't. Or um, well, you know, I guess I could. Overall, not the greatest issue. Uh, I found this origin of the Flash, or sorry, Reverse Flash, less interesting than every version of the Reverse Flash we've had, besides maybe the original Professor Zoom back in the Silver Age. Um, because, I mean... Hunter Zolomon and Zoom had a fascinating and really terrific origin by Jeff Johns. Uh, obviously, Zoom, sorry, the original Professor Zoom, Eobird um, Thon has had various versions of his uh, history told throughout the years. Uh, I believe Mark Wade did a, a good, kind of a reinvention of his history uh, during the Return of Barry Allen storyline, way, 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 way back. Um, then you also had Jeff Johns doing some tweaking of the uh, Zolomon, sorry not Zolomon, of the story, both in Flash Rebirth and then uh, in the later issues of the Flash volume he did before um, before Flashpoint wiped everything out. And now we have a new Reverse Flash, and I found it to be the most generic of all the Reverse Flash uh, origins. Uh, him being Daniel West, I kind of feel like it's just a bit of a, a finger to the fans because uh, it's not. It's not, the, it's not the West we want. If we want a West to be a Flash of any kind, we want it to be Wally West, and we want him to be the Flash, or Kid Flash, or something. Instead, we have Daniel West being the Reverse Flash, and the storyline, I just found, it was very... It didn't add a lot new, and even the way that he becomes the Reverse Flash didn't even make a lot of sense. Not that Jeff Johns' version of the, the negative Speed Force really made a lot of sense either, but at least it was a little bit more interesting. Um... I like that at least this issue as being a point, what, two issue at least feels important to the overall Flash story because it definitely ties into Flash 23 and 24. That being said, uh, I just wasn't quite on for, uh, along for the ride. Scott Hepburn did an okay job in art, but it wasn't the strongest. Bucciolato did a great job in colors, though, because that's just his thing. He's fantastic at it. Uh, Manipul and Bucciolato wrote it together. Um, I just wasn't that impressed. Um, I, I give them credit though, you know, as much as I'm not all that interested in them doing a uh, reverse flash like this and just his look, I'm not that interested in and the design and kind of the reason behind his powers and his motivations are kind of you know, a little, like a little generic. Um, I at least will give them credit because they're trying something different. Uh, they are trying to get away from Ebert Thawne or Hunter Solomon because it'd be all too easy to just make it a new version of one of those characters with that name. Instead, he do, they do to try something different. I might personally not be a huge fan of it, but you know what, if I had never read Flash before, if I had never read anything but Reverse Flash, you know, maybe I would have felt differently. And I guess that's where I am trying to come at it from a different perspective. Um, it's not quite for me, but it's for someone else. I don't know who that is, but I'm sure that someone else is out there. They're reading the issue, hopefully, and hopefully they like it. It just wasn't quite for me. But, you know, it is what it is. That's that's what comics are. Not every comic is for everyone. Um, this just wasn't quite for me. So I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10 as a result. Uh, next up is Manhattan Projects, number 14. This is superb. Um, I love Manhattan Projects. Some of the issues sometimes don't quite feel like they've um, hit the mark, but for the most part, I mean, issue 10 I wasn't a huge fan of because of what was going on in Oppenheimer's mind. wasn't a big fan of the artwork or how the storytelling method seemed to take a, a huge U-turn and be uh, totally different. Uh, this issue is very tragic but interesting that it's happening so fast, where you have Basically, the Manhattan Projects, as we've come to know them, and everyone who's kind of in the Manhattan Projects and running the different projects that are associated, they all get taken out by the military. And then you realize that it's not just the military yeah, or this guy who's from Vietnam. It's really, it's uh, it's all thanks to um, to Oppenheimer himself, who has betrayed all those he, uh, he used to work with. And uh, it's, it's quite interesting to see how it all works and seeing how they're treated now that they're both basically in prison. And it's interesting to see how, you know, they had so much hubris and yet now they're all captured and done. And uh, all thanks to Oppenheimer. And Oppenheimer's truly free now to do whatever he wants, which is just freaky. Um, there's a lot of surprisingly emotional stuff in here where it's, it's uh, it, whether it's, uh, you know, Albert Einstein trying to have a, a moment of realization to confess to... Um, uh, now I forget his name. To uh, He his uh, the truth about who he is, and that he's not who he says he is, and he uh, is very drunk as he does it, as he's being you know basically taken out with uh, liquor poisoning. Um, you have it's very s- sad when I, I forget it's one of the Russian ministers uh, with the brain. He gets popped out of uh, his containment suit, and then you have him trying to. I think it's Dalian trying to protect the the brain. Um, really interesting stuff. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the sad parts with um I believe it was used to not being very upset about uh, the dog potentially being damaged uh, now that the dog is out there and confronting an alien race or an alien craft of some kind we have more about all the different Oppenheimers kind of messing around and talking about what's going on with Oppenheimer and then oomph, we have a blue Oppenheimer and uh, he's still crawling around inside his brain and he's just like hello Joseph how are you and, um, you have this creepy shot on the last page of, um, of Joseph Oppenheimer looking and looking really crazy and having a different color eye in each. Uh, really interesting stuff with the colors. I cannot wait to see what happens next. Unfortunately, next issue is going to be like the, uh, issue 10, I believe it was 10, um, where it's going to be another issue inside Oppenheimer's brain. Hopefully it'll be interesting. I wasn't a huge fan of the first time they did it, but maybe this time I'll be more interested. Um... I give this a 9 out of 10, though. This is a fantastic issue. I cannot wait for issue 16, because issue 15 might just be another stopgap issue inside the brain, but not actually developing anything on the outside story. I want to know what the hell happens from here, because this great cast of characters, they're all in prison now. I want to know how they get out of it. I don't want to know how it works. Um, this is great. A 9 out of 10. It was a good week for, for Hickman books. Of the, I think only two came out. Uh, next up is Wolverine number 9. Uh this is part of the killable arc. I actually like this more than I expected. I gave it a seven out of ten. Um I was expecting to like it not at all. Um just because I found that so far this arc is uh not this arc, this, this run has been very all over the place. Um but I actually like this a lot more than I expected. Um the whole idea of Wolverine being killable, it's been done before, it's not that that revolutionary um, and you know he's not going to die, but we'll see. Uh, Paul Cornell wrote this artwork by Alan Davis. Um, there's some great parts in here with Wolverine decide, you know, basically deciding that he's going to go on his own, and uh, Kitty knowing better and basically uh, saying like, "I'm coming with you." There's no way I'm letting you take off. I know you can you can, you know, surprise other people, and but I'm I'm coming with you no matter what. And having this great fight against Batroc the, the Z-leaper, uh, which was actually really entertaining. Um and seeing Wolverine going up against Batroc and it actually being a lot closer than you'd expect normally it was really interesting. Um, and they're just an interesting pair. I just like Batroc a lot. Uh, he's never quite given his due, but he's always a fairly honorable uh, villain. And I'm interested to see what comes from here. Um, and what what actually this end of this issue means because uh, Wolverine says, you know, we're going home to a place where I was born. So does that what does that mean? The old Howlett Mansion? It's not the strongest issue. At times, it's a little wordy, or I don't care a lot about the the MacGuffin of the whole. You know, there's about the whole virus, super virus thing. I don't care. Uh, I want to see. I want it to be more of a Wolverine adventure. And when the focus is on Wolverine, it's a lot more enjoyable. But then when they take the focus away, it's suddenly it's not nearly as entertaining. I gave it a seven out of ten. And the last book I had a chance to read this week. So as I said, this is a shorter week for the most part. I think this is only, I think, maybe 10 books. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Only 9, so that's a short haul. Uh, X-Men number 5, which is, continues the excuse me Battle of the Atoms storyline. I gave it a 7 out of 10, not because of the writing, but because of the artwork, which I found to be uh, a lot less than than the best that I that it could have been. The details at times... <laughs> excuse me were really lacking uh there's some shots of, there's a shot when they're coming on the bridge and they're they're nearing uh the x-men who are basically trying to like stop scott and gene and the look on their faces is really atrocious because there's no detail given on their faces uh in some of the shots earlier on in the issue it's a little bit more it's a little bit better but then it, there are certain ports where it's just there's no details or it's so sloppy and it looks rushed and and uh, and i there's are some really great panels here, I will admit that, but then there's also some where like Kitty Pryde looks like an old woman. Um, it's just it's very inconsistent and it's unfortunate because the issue is actually quite entertaining. Uh, you have Scott and Jean on the run. Uh, they get you know caught by you know Wolverine and Storm, and then uh, the future actionmen come and they're basically being besieged on all sides, and uh, they, you know they need to escape somehow. It's really entertaining just to see what's going on. And how they're all handling this and how they're able to get out of here. And how um, it was just really interesting to see what happens. And at the end, uh, you know, where would you go? But you're going to go to the older Cyclops because maybe he's the only one who can help in this case. It's an interesting reversal of fortunes to see the younger Cyclops and Gene having to kind of resort to going to the older Cyclops for help. But it's entertaining at the very least. Um, Really enjoying it and interested to see what happens next. Uh, if only the artwork was a little bit stronger. So as I said, a seven and a, I think I said a seven and a half, maybe I didn't. Seven out of ten, yeah, that's about right. Uh, if the artwork had been better, then I would have given it a better rating. But uh, without it, I just can't. Uh, as for the creative team, uh, this issue was written by. Let me just check the credits here. Uh, oh, and I love, love the cover. It's fantastic. I believe that's a Frank Cho cover, uh, but from the looks of it, uh, this and as I said, this was Battle of the Atom chapter three uh let's see why can i not find any credits anywhere interesting uh this is the most uninteresting radio you could possibly listen to here we go brian wood wrote it with david lopez in our work uh not a bad job with david lopez but could really do use a lot better work brian wood on the other hand does an exemplary job and really knocks this one out of the park so what did i not get a chance to review this week well that's a lot of books that's Strap yourself in, folks. This is a long list. Astonishing X-Men 67, Astro City number 4, Batman 23.2, The Riddler, Batman Arkham Unhinged number 18, Batman Lil Gotham number 6, Batman The Dark Knight 23.2, Mr. Freeze, Captain America number 11, which is the new storyline now that they've killed off Sharon Carter, which I still don't. am not a huge fan of, Deadpool number 16, De- Detective Comics 23.2, which is focused on Harley Quinn, who has an upcoming ongoing soon. Uh, Earth 2, number 15.2, Solomon Grundy, Fantastic Four, number 12, Fearless Defenders, number 9, Green Lantern, 23.2, with a focus on Mongol, Indestructible Hulk, 13, Infinity Hunt, number 1, or I guess Infinity, colon Hunt, number 1, Justice League, 23.2, with Lobo, Um, I have no interest to read that, I'm not that upset about his new design, but I can understand why people hate it, Uh, Justice League of America, 7.2, Killer Frost, there's a book I'm not interested in reading. Maybe I'm wrong though. Kickass number uh, sorry, Kickass three number three. Money Avengers number one. Not that interested in reading it, but I should have. Re- I wish I'd had time to read it. This episode's already gone up much too late, two days late. So that's why. Smallville season eleven number seventeen. Superman twenty three point two with focus on Brainiac. If it's anywhere near as interesting as the Zod one, I will never read this. Teen Titans twenty three point one with focus on Trigon. Ultimate Comics Ultimates number thirty and Uncanny X Force number eleven. One question I do have for my listeners, and I would love to hear feedback on the um, on the HC realms thread or somewhere, even if on emails. I'm interested for those who are buying the DC comics. Are you guys buying? Uh, the same issues you would normally buy. Like if you're an Aquaman reader, are you picking up the point 0.1 issues? If you're a Flash reader, are you picking up the three Flash titles that came out this uh, month? Or are you only buying one? Or are you, are you able to be selective And what goes into that process? I'm just interested to hear what people are doing. Because obviously there's a lot of books that like if you just buy a Batman book or a Flash book, you're now buying a lot more books than than if you would be on a normal basis. I buy Flash now suddenly I'm buying three flashbooks instead of one. I'm just interested to hear what people are doing. Almost also interested to find out who's actually buying these 3D covers, who wants the 3D covers. Uh, and have you been allocated at your store? Are you able to get a hold of 3D covers? You know, what are people's takeaway on those? Um, another question that I had, uh, now I'm blanking. Oh, uh, for those who are on the Marvel side of things... In December, this list that just came out recently. Amazing Spider Man has, I believe, five issues coming out in December, as well as Superior Spider Man coming out twice. Are you buying these, these books? I mean, um, they're basically 700.1,.2,.3,.4,.5. Where do you draw the line? Uh, obviously, Amazing Spider Man ended with issue 700. Uh, the new books appear to don't appear to not be anything more than a celebration of Peter Parker and it's very ambiguous as to is Peter Parker actually back in some way or what the hell is going on um, so I mean what we'll, for those who are fans of Spider-Man who maybe used to buy Amazing Spider-Man prior to the switch over to Superior will you be picking up these five one-shots, basically, is what they are. I'm just interested to hear what people are doing. Myself, I'm, I'm really on the fence and I'm not sure. I feel like I, I forget the pricing. If they're $4 issues, I'm not spending an additional $20 in the month just because they decided that they can wring some more money out of me. Um, but who knows? Maybe I'll change my mind depending on... I forget what the creative teams are, but I feel like I really got to flip through the issue in the store before I can really make that decision because that seems like an odd choice. On other um, news... I'm very sad that Venom is ending. Also, I'm very sad that uh, Scarlet Spider is ending. Uh, those are two books I've enjoyed for the most part, um, and now they're going to be gone, so that's you know, more books that are bite in the dust, but I do give Marvel credit for running both Scarlet Spider and Venom probably longer than anyone would have expected. Venom especially, but Scarlet Spider, You know, the fact that You know, 15 years ago, if I'd said I'm going to be reading a Scott Spider book, I would have been laughed in the face because, you know, the Clone Saga was verboten. You don't mention it. And then suddenly, somehow they got an ongoing series going. So that's fascinating stuff. Um, A little bit of uh, a segment I'd like to add on episodes I do with reviews and stuff is kind of talking about things I've read recently or have been reading recently uh, when not reading ongoings or or new books. Um, Recently, I've uh, gone back through. uh, I was reading some of the onslaught saga because I have the uh, the trades. I have the onslaught complete epic collection volumes one to four and the I guess the prelude or zero issue or zero volume rather. Part of the reason why I was reading it is also uh, trying to you know get into the mind frame of that uh, that time frame because. I'm a fan of collected editions that come out. I spend a lot of time on marvelmasterworks.com. We either have a forum there and it's a lot of people dedicated to talking about, you know, the Marvel Masterworks line, which I've never followed, so that in that way I don't actually follow that part of the discussion, but they also talk about omnibuses that are being released and also talk about upcoming collections and the mapping of collections and what issues they're covering. And I'm getting more and more into that because I find as much as I like current comics, Excuse me. I'm also a big fan of following the news on collections that are coming out of old material. Um, stu- some stuff I like. I There's an upcoming collection called The Road to Onslaught, uh, Volume 1. And it has books from about the year before I started uh, religiously buying Uncanny X Men. We're talking about 1994. Right after. Uh, actually, sorry, 95. Uh, right after the Age of Apocalypse, uh, you had. X-Men Prime came out and it launched all these new directions for every book, which was a smart way of doing it at the time where you had every book get launched in a new directions that included, you know, X-Force living uh, about to move back to the mansion, getting their old hideout trashed. Um, Cable kind of doing his a little bit of his own thing in certain ways, becoming more about the Ascani. You had the Uncanny X-Men confronting Gene Nation, as well as uh, the Spectre of Onslaught, with uh, the arrival of Juggernaut being, having had his ass kicked by Onslaught. And all this stuff was being set up in in right after an X-Men Prime. Uh, this upcoming Road to Onslaught trade, which I'm really excited about, has, I think, four or five, maybe six months of Uncanny and X-Men and X-Men stories that happen right after Prime. And then with the expectation, I guess, being that Volume 2 would then bring us up to where the prelude to to Onslaught uh, trades basically started. uh, So that you could basically read from, if you have the Age of Apocalypse trades, you can You can basically read from the Age of Apocalypse, or Legion Quest, right before the Age of Apocalypse, right onwards to Onslaught. Uh, I just like that they're filling in more and more of these collections, because I'm a bit of a collection junkie, and I like having everything on my uh, shelf that I can start plotting out the history of these books uh, as being an old school, not an old school, but a long time fan of the Marvel Universe, I'm a big fan of the history of the Marvel Universe and what continuity used to mean and what it used to be. So I'm really a big fan of these collections. Uh, another thing I'm really excited about, and I don't know if anyone else in the world is, uh, back in 1998, uh, when The Heroes Return was happening, uh, Iron Man uh, saw the launch, <laughs> sorry, the relaunch of the Iron Man book by Sean Chen on art and Kurt Busick writing it fantastic stuff and it was it's actually been announced that uh, there's an omnibus that just came out and uh, mine's actually uh, on its way from Amazon as we speak It's uh, I think it's about 1100 or 1200 pages so that's one of the big thick omnibuses sometimes they're not uh, that big sometimes they're about 900 pages but sometimes they really push the th- uh, the count where it's around 1200 pages or so and uh, it has issues 1 to 25 of that Iron Man run and a, a bunch of other one shots that happened and tie-ins etc I am super excited about it cannot wait to read that this week um, and because uh, I was a huge fan of that run, Iron Man for a while was one of my favorite heroes. Uh, that's waned a little in more recent, probably over the last ten years. I'm still interested in him as a character, but not to the extent that I was when, when around '97, '98, when I was really big in Iron Man as a character. Um, also, I they have recently announced, not announced, it's come out already, uh, that they're they were doing reprints of some of the first run on the buys from about six or seven years ago, which had gone out of print. Uh, One of them was the Uncanny X-Men on the bus by. uh, It basically collects Giant Size X-Men and Uncanny X-Men 94 up until about, I think, Uncanny X-Men 131. So it's got a a good chunk of the Burn era as well as, obviously, the beginning of the Claremont era. ...of X-Men. That's being reprinted as an omnibus, uh, which is also on, on its way to me. So I have about a 12-pound a package on its way with these two omnibuses combined. It's a little shorter. It's a little bit cheaper than the Iron Man one. It's a little bit shorter. It's about 900 pages. But it's some of the best comics you can read, right? I mean, this is some of the best Uncanny X-Men stories that exist in print. Um, one of the reasons I think they're putting it into print is that uh, next year they're going to bring out, finally... Uh, ...the Uncanny X-Men Volume 2 omnibus not quite as long it goes up from issues 131 to 153 but a lot of other stuff that was happening around the same time period um it obviously complete concludes the burn era it includes a lot of material that has been previously reprinted obviously in the dark phoenix trades or the um days future past trade but it's a great new collection and that's also coming out um that's coming out i think in next april Uh, uh another trade or hardcover collection that's coming out next year is um X-Men Days of Future Past, which is obviously meant to coincide with the movie. Uh, What makes me excited about it is it's not just the original Days of Future Past storyline that's been reprinted a couple times, but it also includes... Uh, the Days of Future Present storyline that it went through, I think the 1990 or eighty nine annuals, uh, includes uh, a Wolverine Days of Future Past miniseries that was a precursor to the original Days of Future Past storyline that was published, I believe, in the early 2000s, late 90s. And it has a few other storylines as well that all tie into that universe, so I'm actually super pumped. So, Anyways, this is just a, a glimpse at some of the, the upcoming collections and trades which are coming out. Um, I'm always interested in seeing some weird stuff comes out. There's also a Spider-Man by Roger Stern omnibus, which is coming out next year. So super excited, so I've already ordered that. As well as uh, the reprinting of the Daredevil by uh, Frank Miller omnibus. Uh, Unfortunately, it does not include Born Again. That Born Again was actually originally in a companion omnibus that I can only hope they're also going to reprint. But, uh, it basically collects his original run as originally just Penciler and then as writer Penciler on the Daredevil title. Anyways, that has been a little bit of extra content there. So our next episode will be episode 104. That'll be an episode of Talking Hero Clicks with myself and Nathan Strzok, which was recorded on the 13th of September. And it's a, it's a fun examination of some current stuff in uh, Hero Clicks that's going on. Uh, there are some things, obviously, that I was not able to include uh, because of the nature of when we recorded it. Later on that day, they announced the Heroclix watch list, which will probably be of discussion on our next Heroclix podcast, whenever that might be. Anyways, thank you for joining me for this reviews episode, for reviews for comics that were released on September 11th. Uh, This has been episode 103. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. I'm Adam Chapman, and uh, we'll... We'll make sure to see you next time. Read some comics, please, people, and support the books you love the most. If it's a book uh, that you don't think a lot of people buy, don't wait for the trade. Buy the single. Uh, double dip if you have to just to support that book. Um, one of the ones I'm supporting, as it probably doesn't even need my support because it's got a big-name creator on it anyway, is Manhattan Projects. Absolutely love that book. I double dip all the time. I buy the singles. I buy the trades. I can't help myself. Um Make a book, support it, and that's the only way to keep you know the, these good books that don't sell as well. They need people to not wait for trades. They need to buy both if they can, if they can afford to. Yeah, it may be ridiculous, but I mean, you got those little books that could. I mean, it's nice when they stick around as long as they possibly can. Especially the bigger publishers, which seems to cut, which seem to cut the cut ties with those books a little bit short sometimes. Um, until the next, uh, until the next book like that comes around, make sure to buy those books. Anyways, I don't even know why I decided to go on a diatribe there. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. But also don't forget to email us at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, and also post on our HG Romo sites. Now, I swear to God, I am done. Thank you for enjoying, us, enjoying this uh, almost 40-minute episode, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.